0: Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, comrade. How are you doing? Good,
1: comrade. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm feeling very, very, very not greedy. Greed is bad. (laughs) Here's a song about greed,
1: (laughs) in fact, Bartek. Ryan, you're intimidating me. I should let you know that I've been doing my exercises, so (laughs) don't try to mess with me.
0: Uh, I've got to pass you on the black spot of death uh, for your comments. Uh we are back. We have come back from our little break. Bartek and I have had a lot of stuff happening, but we haven't forgotten to do the podcast. We aren't we aren't forgetting our show Pictures Power Wow. The only uh, Australian Polish podcast in the top 10 Polish podcasts. That's that's a fact.
1: But, I'm not yeah. lying.
0: I'm not exaggerating. I'm not seeing any others in there. Yeah,
1: the top 10.
0: The top 10 Polish podcasts. Whose list is this? Well.
1: I honestly don't remember. Look it But up, it's the but list. It, it,
0: it's Poland's list. <laughs> the entire nation. Because... Spin Polish is a little bit of a play on words where we're always spitting and we both happen to be Polish, which is true. We we both have uh, Polish names and uh, family and yeah. things of that nature. Any interesting Polish facts from you, Bartek? Any any interesting things that you've picked up or learned recently? In fact, you've been spending some time with your Polish dads. So yeah, you actually we, have some answers for this question. We, this we
1: both were spending time with our respective dads with Polish Last names, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um. God, early on in his visit, they taught me the word for turtle in Polish, and I remember it was really close to the word for yellow. The yellow, yellow is żółty, so maybe turtle was something like żółt or something like that. Żółt. Yeah, so if, if you ever go up to a Polish person and say, what's yellow turtle, you'll probably well, hear them say the uh, same uh, thing uh, twice. Okay, well,
0: I guess I'll share the fact that you gave me, we got some updates on the Polish lektor system of dubbing from oh, your yes. father. So, for those who are not in the know, and I love informing you people because it's very, very funny. You people. Lectors are a form of dubbing in Poland, so when they get a foreign film, an English-language film, they will have one monotoned person, usually a man, mm. usually one specific man, just say all of the lines, say all of it over the top of the movie. Now, the the audio for the movie still
1: exists, it's just lowered. It, it's like when you see a foreign politician making a big speech and it's on your local news and you'll have like someone speak over him translating that's exactly the way to describe it. Yeah. I remember and, the last Saturday I brought up that comparison. Like, why have we never made that before? <laughs> I don't think about politics.
0: We're not <laughs> we're not a political podcast, we're a film podcast. But you have some updates on lectors, because we get great amusement mm. from telling people and us knowing what lectors are, because it is a very strange way of doing things. Because For a fact, Poland does not like normal dubbing, the conventional Mm. dubbing. So when something like Stranger Things had a full Polish dub, Poland said, no, thank you. Give us a lektor. In fact, give us this lektor in specific. And it's like... why? And you, you had a bit of a chat with your dad about this. It was I mean, a nice you, Valentine's dinner, yeah. yeah oh, romantic. So uh, can you imagine watching a romantic movie, like a Love Actually or something, and then the lector comes in? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have to imagine. You would probably know. It's like, I love
1: Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you learned? What have I learnt? Um, well, obviously it's my dad's anecdote about it, but since he is of the Poland, he he pro- he will represent all of Poland. Um, he said that basically, whenever they do do dubbing, it seems to only they seem to only pull from a pool of like twenty actors in Poland that have some sort of, you know, I guess voice acting credential. Um, just like how so, there's a
0: certain pool of very well-known anime voiceover artists yeah. when it comes to like western stuff where they're doing it in English like you know their names.
1: Yeah, but, but since you know I don't know that Poland has that big of a film animation industry most of their actors would be yeah, like live action people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, when you see a l- f- couple of you know dubbed things you kind of just hear the same voices over and over again. Um and it feels too samey, which that's a very ironic thing. Considering
0: Com- like they have three lectors three who is who... the voice entirely for the whole two hour movie.
1: Yeah, and it's and the whole point is that they speak <laughs> in this clear, not too emotive tone.
0: Very authoritarian tone. <laughs> I love the logic there. See what we don't like about the dubbers is there's only a handful of them. Why? Why aren't there more? How long has the industry been just surviving on these four, like, these 12 dubbers? Like, I don't... <laughs> whatever. But that that is inconsequential, although it is, it is very important because we're talking about foreign ways of doing things. That relates to a movie that has come up for today's discussion mm-hmm. where you suggested this. So could you please tell ev- everyone, everyone listening... What film you you pitched up for Pictures Pow Wow?
1: Yes. So as I said last episode many, many weeks ago, um, uh, similar to your last pick, I also went with a foreign animated film. Mm-hmm. I went with the 1988 uh, Soviet film Treasure Island. Um, update on that because you had questions last time. The, the film is in Russian. Um, but it was made in what is now basically Ukraine. Mm, I so noted that down. Yeah. I
0: looked up some of the directors, like directors and writers, and they were from Ukraine. And uh, but a lot of the actors are from all over the place. Yeah, uh, there's like an Armenian, they were all, like yeah, Russian, yeah. But, you know. What was Russia now is not necessarily, and vice versa. It's a a crazy period of time. but uh,
1: They were in a big united family at that
0: time. uh, To sum it up for everyone listening out there, rather than those in the conversation, which is you and me, Bartek, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you haven't seen this, it's quite simple. It's Treasure Island, the story of Treasure Island, which is a well-told story. And if you have not even encountered Treasure Island as a story, uh, I don't know what to tell you other than... It's it's a classic, but this does that, but through animation, through a musical lens, and of course with uh, Soviet ideology and messaging. <laughs> and it is actually a comedic film as well. Yeah. So uh, watch it. It's available on YouTube with subta- subtitles, so you can easily watch it for yourselves. It is a very surreal experience, very different, yeah, very funny very unique. So I am wanting to know a bit more from you. Why? Why this? Why? Why this? Give us, give us a rundown of even how you found this.
1: So I think I introduced it last time as uh, me discovering it because of memes. Um, I'd I'd been seeing recurring animations on YouTube or on the internet. Of do, do you know what the meme is now? No, no.
0: I've looked up basically nothing okay. of this of this film. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Um, I wanted
0: you to surprise me.
1: So basically, do you remember when in the scene where you meet Long John Silver at the pub? Mm-hmm. You know when they enter the pub and then they go to sit down. Mm-hmm. The shot of them walking between them entering and sitting down. You know, where the three of them are walking side profile and they all have like different gates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that is the meme. So I'd been seeing a oh. bunch of animations. Of like you know replacing the three characters in this film with you know whatever other characters uh, with similar body proportions and walking in their own different styles, mm-hmm. and I I kept seeing this obviously throughout like the latter half of last year. I'm like, what what is this from? This feels like a very old thing, but is it something that people have known and just come back? Like, what is going on here? And then one day I actually sat down to look it up, I think I went to, like, Know Your Meme or something, and it said that, oh, this is from a 1988 Soviet film. Hmm. I'm like, oh. So, it is from something that is old, but it's also from, like, an unexpected region that I wouldn't Hmm. think would influence, like, you know, international meme culture, so… That basic discovery was kind of what inspired my curiosity to actually check out the film.
0: Right. I was trying to figure out what the meme was because you mentioned that uh, there's a meme thing in this and I thought maybe it was some of those types of movements in the animation because it has a very specific style to it. Uh, uh, both fluid and stiff, it, it's rather wacky. We have talked about Japanese animated films on here. Mm. And and when we talk about TV shows like Japanese anim- animes, there's a, there's a stiffness in comparison to Western animation where yeah. there's different frame rates and I was like thinking... stuff of that nature. And so this is a country that's in between of what Japan does and what Hollywood does, yeah, where I was... it's both fluid and janky.
1: <laughs> I was thinking throughout this film of when we did Tokyo Godfathers, and you asked me, like, oh, what do you think of the animation? And I was talking about how it's very fluid and mm. uh, repre- like similar to lifelike movements, mm. uh, and every character has that. This is, like, very fluid, um, but for, like, cartoony movements.
0: Very uh, reminiscent of something like Popeye. For yeah. instance, uh, and especially their arms. Uh, but I was trying to guess the meme. I thought perhaps it was that uh, the 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 doctor character in general. He because also he, is
1: yeah, like the big Chad character seems to. Be. He has
0: a very different design to everyone else, and it's almost as if they've animated him differently to every mm. other character. He's far more fluid and bouncy, and. Strange, and he did stick out. Oh, I was thinking, and this is going to give away. I'm just going to say this was my favorite character and my favorite sequence, which was the 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 blind pew was mm. their name, I do believe, and their introduction, just their whole sequence. I thought that was absolutely stellar yeah. and fantastic, yeah. and I I love that character. I wish they were in the movie uh, <laughs> more. They were just there for just that sequence, particularly, and uh, yeah, so. I really didn't know what I was getting into. I uh, I
1: really didn't know beyond, like, the few things I mentioned.
0: I didn't even know what the animation was going to look like. I didn't look up the video on YouTube, so I didn't know what length it was going to be until I sat down to watch it and check if it had subtitles. So, uh, how familiar are you with the Treasure Island
1: story? Not 100% sure if I've seen an adaptation of it, but like you said, it is pretty simple. It's, you know, treasure map. Um, group of guys go to find the treasure, some pirates. Long John Silver. Long John Silver. Like, there were names throughout. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that name's from Treasure Planet uh, Island. I mean, Treasure
0: Planet is Treasure Island.
1: Yeah. i I seen Treasure Planet forever ago. And if you
0: think about Treasure Planet, it's the same story. Mm. Where you have the young, fresh-faced guy who's a bit of a dweeb, but a naive character who gets swept along this fantastical journey on this pirate ship. And he accidentally stumbles across a conspiracy with the cook of the ship who wants to take it over and get the treasure for themselves. And he's got his cohorts and they have to fight against it before. Th- that's Treasure Island. Yeah. Uh, you you haven't seen The Muppets Treasure Island. That's that's worth watching.
1: I I really haven't seen many Muppets films. Well, uh, so
0: okay. Now think about this.
1: I've seen it's, one. <laughs> it's,
0: it's the Muppets, right? Yeah. But but, Long John Silver's played by Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. That's the pitch. That's a good pitch. A- and they sing, of course. And Tim Curry plays. he's the best description of it in the Christmas Carol Muppet film. Uh, Michael Caine played it very much like it was a genuine Charles Dickens this is a real movie. That's what makes his performance so great. What makes Tim Curry's performance so great is he plays it like he is a Muppet. <laughs> and and that makes if his performance- If there's anyone. That's if there's anyone who can do it. Yeah. It's Tim. <laughs> there you go. He is so fun. But uh, I am deeply familiar with it because I grew up with a lot of media that was redoing it. I feel like- from the 80s to the early 2000s it was treasure island everywhere with this obviously exists in the late 80s there's treasure planet there's the Muppets treasure island there was a treasure island adaptation with christian bale at some point as well like very young christian bale when he was still a child actor because people forget that he was Mm. a child actor but uh i have seen I want to say, like a almost what feels like half a dozen or so versions of this, and I have never read the original source material. I've never engaged with the original, but uh, I like my pirate stuff, as I imagine you do as well. We grew up in the age of pirates of the Caribbean, so pirate mania was in a. So it's a fun archetype. It's it was in our in our zeitgeist growing up, and a lot of piratey stuff comes back to this story. Mm. So even you being not 100% you go oh I know this and this and this when you're watching it. Mm. Now I will admit it did impede some of my enjoyment of this animated film because you know it's 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 the same story but it's it's just got it's got its merits of it's being told in such a fun way but I did grow tired of it because I just know all of the beats of this because even the most wacky versions of this when it comes to the Soviet version or the Disney treasure planet, it's like, yeah, you gotta hit you gotta hit those moments. It's like when you see a different Shakespeare adaptation. Yeah. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool that you're doing it in modern day with John Leguizamo and Leonardo DiCaprio, but it's still Romeo and Juliet. Mm. So I had that stop me from fully appreciating this. How was your overall watching?
1: Uh, not being super familiar with the exact beats of it, it did feel a little bit more fresh for me. Um, I especially appreciated the, the first half. So like we've probably noticed when watching it that like there's part one, part two. Mm. Um part one is where we like introduce all the characters and they have their little bio that pops up. Um a lot of like character interaction-y things going on, and part two is mostly at the island, you know, with the hijinks going on there. Um, so that was a lot of fun, but yeah, walking into it, not really knowing what to expect out of it. like I'd seen you know the the animation of the walking, so I knew that there was fluidity, but I was really impressed by a lot of the techniques they were doing that were like felt like live action stuff, like there were shifts in camera angles within the same mm. shots. It's like, oh man, this is a very 2D animated thing, but it's giving me a sense of, like, the 3D space of everything. Like, I remember there was one shot, um, what was the guy that originally had the map, Bill? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was one shot where he was looking out the window and you get, like, a shot of just basically the frame of the window, then it zooms back to being behind the two guys there and then, like, goes down to a low angle. It's like, damn.
0: The credits, the end credits, if you watch them, to the very very end also gave you some insight into that where we got to see some of the actors who played these characters and they were the the visual points of reference so you got to see the side by sides and animation used to do that all the time disney animation used to do that hence there's many footage behind the scenes footage of some of these actors of say the kid who played robin hood or um not robin hood of the kid who played peter pan and you know, girl played Cinderella and all of these people, if you go back, they would film them and sketch them and mm. get stuff from them. So you you get that here. And I, I I totally agree with you. I was also quite surprised by the the impressive animation. It does falter from time to time. There's there's cheap stuff in there. There's there's just awkward, weird mistakes, but for what this is, which is a what I do believe is a TV special, yeah, two part for the Soviet Union, made in the late eighties, Uh it's pretty damn good. Yeah, the voice acting, although I don't speak the language, i I could just feel the the fun, but also the intensity. My favorite voice actor, and um, I, wouldn't be surprised if he was one of yours, is 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 uh, Long John Silver shots mm. over himself that guy was intimidating he was not playing it like he's in a funny little movie like some of the others he had a genuinely deep rich menacing voice where and again this is high praise i don't understand what he's saying without the subtitles yet i wanted to listen to every single thing he was saying he was that commanding of a presence and when they showed the live action of him at the end, I was like, "Boy, I could have just watched that. I could have just watched that too." This guy is exactly what I imagined the voice, like the face behind the voice, to be. And mm. uh, wow, what what a presence! I looked that guy up, and he only passed away a couple of years ago. Okay, and there's still many of them who are still around and active too. But uh,
1: yeah, putting aside geez. the f- yeah, putting aside the fact that I speak a similar language to the one spoken in this film, like I could tell from the deliveries as well. Like, oh yeah, this is. This is actual acting going on here. They're putting actual performance in there. Um the guy that plays the doctor character, <laughs> you could tell that that guy was like smiling and giggling while he was doing the performance. Having the time of his life. Yeah.
0: He uh, he he's the the doctor's a evidently a fan favorite. He's become a meme, mm. but it's also not just the animation and the design, but the, that voice behind it is very infectious. You want to follow that guy. Yeah. You want him to be in more scenes because he's the character that's having the most overt amount of fun. And you have fun whilst he is also. I uh, One of the things that I... Was surprised by was live action exists in this. That I was, was a very really big shocked about that,
1: especially because at the very beginning, it makes it seem like oh, this is a world where there are live action people and animated people because an animated character kills one of the live action people. So I was kind of every time they popped up again, I, I kept thinking like oh, so is this like a side story that's happening somewhere? But then evidently, we get some songs where it's clearly like oh no, this is just. I guess, like a side skit, like a Greek chorus kind of thing going on, especially when they're doing the gym song.
0: There's a meta quality. There's an amazing gag. My favourite gag from them, because... I had a, a 50-50 on whether I liked the live-action being in this or not, because mm. I think it was there to pad it out. Honestly, yeah. that's the real reason it's there, because this is almost two hours, which is the biggest crime the film commits is being too long. We talked about A Town Called Panic, and I was like a perfect 70-minute whatever long movie. Mm. I wish this was that long, honestly, but the live action bit that I really adored was when they cut to, here's this band and we're just going to play their new hit single. (laughs) And the song is wacky. But one of the things I really loved is none of them are playing the instruments that you're hearing in the song. Oh, okay. Like, like there's this bit where it's like wailing on a guitar, but we're hearing flutes. There's one guy playing drums and we're hearing bongos. Like it's, 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 just one of those things where it's like there was a dissonance because they look like they're Russian punks. One had a mohawk and everything. They're playing, like, guitar, bass, usual. Uh, but the, the the music coming out is not right, or it just doesn't match up visually to what we're being shown, and that really got me. I just... I had a good chuckle at that. I was more amused by that than whatever the song's lyrics were putting <laughs> down. But uh, and I love the song about greed. Just, just here's a song about greed. Like here's a little moral lesson now.
1: <laughs> a lot of their songs felt like moral lessons. Yeah. A lot
0: of their songs felt like, hello, the government said we must put in moral message now to instill onto <laughs> you, the citizen.
1: That's how they felt. I was really impressed though because um. Despite it being black and white and they're using a lot of close-up angles, it really shows you that, maybe not despite, but their makeup and costume is, like, really theatre quality.
0: I could have watched a whole live-action version of this with them.
1: We have a lot of close-ups of their faces and they're just so cartoony despite being real people. (laughs) So, you enjoyed this overall? I did, yeah. Again, like, first half more so than second half and I, I did have a pretty big day yesterday, so I had to kind of watch this in two chunks because you got to sleep at some point, but...
0: It was designed to be watched in two chunks?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I probably should have taken a break right when the first part ended. (laughs) Yeah? Um, But yeah, I was... Again, the the whole surprise aspect really kind of elevated for me. Like, I didn't expect the live-action parts. Um, I didn't know how impressed I would be by, like, that, again, idea of the 3D space in this 2D animated product. Um, And the big variety of characters, because I did walk in sort of knowing what kind of body types you would see, because I did see the brief bit of like the bar scene. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, there's just a lot of really impressive stuff that like, oh man, it feels like animated films in the last, what, nine, years, like 30 something years could have learned from this if more people had seen it
0: we're looking at you dreamworks with your dreamworks face they have a certain type of face they like to use all every, the time.
1: everyone draw every character in this doing the dreamworks face
0: and the uh the disney animated faces too it's like Elsa looks like this girl and this girl and this girl it's like why do they all look the girls all look the same because you know women are women they, they all have the same face
1: <laughs> why and then animate them doing the walk
0: did you have some favourite gags or or throwaway jokes or uh, animated sequences that got a laugh out of you?
1: Oh, there was something really early on back at like the place where Jim was living and working that really got me. Um, I, I really liked when uh, the Bill character, like he had a running thing about like his sneezing. Oh, that was excellent. Like yeah. blowing things away. There was one time where he like did a really big sneeze, and it was like a ten second like hurricane.
0: That was that was a truly
1: amazing one. That was a good escalation. Yeah,
0: my my one of my favorite uh, sequences was when that really 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 big pirate was just standing there and he's just impervious to all the damage being inflicted upon him. They're throwing stuff at him and ripping trees out of the ground and throwing about at him and he's just not moving at all. And he's just such a... He's being still for pretty much all of it but he's just animated in a way where the expression almost feels like it's changing so much in levels of amusement to annoyance but it's not really changing. Mm. He's read so much from just that guy and when he did lumber the 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 the, the frame would shake. I, I got great amusement and how he got defeated as well. And Like they just treat it with genuine like sorrow and solemn where he got drowned. Like he grabbed a rocket. He got launched in the water and he never came out. And the <laughs> vultures are there and they all take their hats off. The pirates like, oh, well, I guess he died. Mm. I really thought that was an amazing moment both of tension, but just showing you that this is a cartoon. This is one of those where it's like we're taking an old story. Like what Disney used to do, we'll take all of these old folk tales, all of these old stories, and we'll animate them. Tell this through animation. Do stuff that only animation can do. And that was one of those where it's like, only animation could have given us that. Mm. Any others for you? Any other gags?
1: Uh, Gags? Uh, Just replaying the movie in my head for a sec. Scene
0: by scene, frame by frame. Uh, just
1: yeah, just a lot of the things the doctor character was doing, really. Just oh, there, there, there was um when they were fighting near the end, um when the gym character was like using a just a shitload of guns, just like playing them like a piano, basically. That was a really good one. Oh, that
0: was a good one. I like the the pirates who were firing off the cannon, and they had like the. the the chain of different cannonballs, like it's a machine gun. Mm. They had a whole bunch of gags with that, where the one pirate's nose kept shaking every time it fired, and he had to hold his nose and it didn't work, and then he just put his finger on the cannon to like push it down, and then it worked. Mm -hmm. The vibration didn't hit him anymore. And then that pirate firing the cannon got so pissed off that he just grabbed it like it was an Uzi and just started firing everywhere. That was... That was particularly enjoyable. <laughs> uh I another moment that I, I, I just really enjoyed is it, it's a classic dumb thing, but you have characters inside this house, it's the the the, the, the last stand type deal. We'll make our stand here and we'll just line in the sand and you have the captain, he's out the window, you have the other guy, he's jumped out the front door, and then you have this one the other guy is looking at a painting of what looks like a window to the outside yeah, yeah.
1: and he just keeps hitting it and hitting it and hitting it's it for like 5 minutes of just trying to hit this thing
0: <laughs> never learning that's one of those mm. where a huge huge mm. smile was brought to my face Oh there was
1: a really there was a really cartoony thing earlier in the film when Bill and the black dog were having you know their little confrontation at the house and Bill moved the door Oh, that was awesome. (laughs) Anytime a character gets
0: thrown through uh, a wall and the wall is in the outline of their body is also just a classic, but it works because it works. Oh, a moment that isn't funny, but I thought was a perfect use of animation. It was very stunning in its presentation was when... Uh, when, uh, uh, what's our main guy again called? Uh, Jim? Jim came back from stealing the ship. He came back from stealing the ship. He walked back into their cabin, and it's all dark. And then he discovers that silver's in there. And just then the, the parrot coming in, and then all of the different pirates slowly emerging from the shadows, and just how that was lit, how that was colored and the stark shadows and contrasts and that real uh like you said sense of uh the third dimension where you really get that that overall uh uh, look of the characters just crawling and emerging out of the darkness and surrounding this little character i thought that was just wow that was a was a genuinely tense scene with these silly animated-looking characters, because they have very over-the-top designs, but they made them genuinely scary. That was, like, the one time in the movie where the pirates were genuinely frightening, and I I thought... And, of course, you're pairing it with Silver talking, and that voice actor's commanding the scene with the visuals, a perfect marriage of voice and visual there.
1: Yeah, a lot of good stuff with camera angles. Like, we have a few shots of, like... You know, people walking from a low angle and we're actually seeing the soles of their feet, like, you know, go onto the camera lens. That's
0: why I like the blind pew scene. That was one of the first where we really got that and mm. it would go underneath his foot, but then the camera would keep spinning up and around and mm. it was very yeah, good.
1: We also had that when we met Long John Silver and he was like moving for the first time, with like the crutch in mm. his one leg. Uh, we had it with one of the horses that were being ridden. Um, yeah, going back to that black pew scene, the... We had that one close up shot of it was just their hands, like when he's mm. handing him the the, the black spot mm. and just you know, you could tell from looking at the film that, like, oh, okay, these characters aren't designed to be, like, you know, super beautiful or anything like that. They've got these, like, wrinkles and, like, mm. skin tones going on. There, you could just see all the details in their hands. Like, one Decrepid. of them is really old, decrepit. The other one was, you know, a bit more fat, but, like, also not, like, rounded. Mm. Yeah, a little wrinkly. bit wrinkly. You can get the sense, like, oh, yeah, there's a bit of hair on there. And, yeah, the, again, the fluidity of all the hand movements. Like, I, I obviously, we're not really that much of drawing or animation artists but i do get the sense that a lot of them you know might have body proportions that they struggle to animate and just seeing like the masterful hand animation there is just like wow
0: it was it was a lot of joy put into this because i'll 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 be honest with you walking in i thought okay we're gonna watch a, a funny little soviet made animated film where there's gonna be The thing that I think most people want from it, which is, oh, we're seeing a piece of art that's propaganda, really. That's what I was Mm -hmm. looking forward to, was we're going to see the Treasure Island, but told from the Soviet perspective. We're shoving in all these Soviet messages, which it does. It does do that. There are times where they really talk about sharing the wealth around and that capitalism is bad and don't trust people. People who are business mind, you know, that type of thing. And it had those, and I did get my chuckles. But there has to be more than that. Mm. When when we watch Lemonade Joe, and we've talked about Lemonade Joe many times on the pod, one of the great things is it's more than just a Western made under a country. In the Soviet Union, there's there's genuine filmmaking, there's genuine comedy there, and that film in particular is interesting because we actually don't know fully what the political leanings of the film itself is because it's making fun of both sides, Mm. and the people behind the scenes of Lemonade Joe were from both sides, people who were communists and people who loathed the communists, the Soviets. Here you look at pretty much everyone and it's like yeah, Soviet 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 Russian 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 or USSR and I still liked it for it being its thing rather than what I think most people of our age especially having this ironic look at uh oh uh, a country that was for all intents and purposes ruled through an insidious system making a piece of art that's probably propaganda I think with you know, a lot of internet commentators, you would look at it like that. Like, oh, it's a film made through the USSR and that means it's going to have the uh underlying evil thing in it yeah
1: but... or it might even just be a thing of like okay this is a thing that's made for children that's going to have propaganda you might go to the cynical uh expectation of like oh yeah it's just they've they came up with the message and then they just cobbled something together that's like barely possible but no there's like actual artistic mastery at work here
0: i i uh the worst expectation I had was that it was just going to be shitty and it was going to have sprinklings of amusement in there mm. from that angle rather than genuine comedy. But this was genuinely hilarious. It it made me laugh quite a lot. The biggest critique I have is just, it's just too damn long. And as I said, I was impacted on, from being familiar with the source material, being just digested and regurgitated so much. But that's not this thing's fault. That's just the nature of the beast. But yeah, it's nearly two hours, and uh, it could have been a nice seventy-five minutes, eighty minutes, and I would have been real happy. Mm. And uh, there is plenty of moments I am like, you could have cut this, 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 or this. But uh, yeah, I, I had a good time overall. I am glad that you you brought it over, and I
1: am glad I chose to actually follow through on it. Yeah, because it was really worth seeing
0: for yourself. You you walked in with this. You you wanted to know a bit more about the 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 source behind the meme. But even with that, with the the knowledge that this was a Soviet film, were you having those hopeful expectations of that thing I was just talking about of uh, the propagandary thing?
1: You know what? F- despite the fact that it seems obvious that the answer would be yes, not really. Kind of just when I was watching it, it just was not on my mind or even walking into it. It was just like, oh, well, what, what what would the Soviet, you know, animated thing, like Soviet era, that country thing be? Um, so, yeah, talking about it now, it's like, oh, yeah, why didn't I have those expectations? I guess it's because I, I did read that, like, okay, this actually does seem to be a little bit acclaimed and, like, people are actually liking it. Like, when people were commenting on, like, you know, uh, one of the animations that's, like, Copying the 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 thing from the movie, people were actually referring to the characters by name. I'm like, oh, okay, so these these people from the West are actually familiar with who the specific characters are. Like, obviously, mm. they're based on the book characters, but like the visual designs of them are familiar enough to them. So it's like, okay, there actually seems to be some sort of merit here. So I was walking in, kind of expecting, like, okay, there is something here that uh, people really like or gravitate towards. And that was, yeah, one of the big things I was interested in. It's like, what what, is, what's, what what is it about this foreign thing that even Western people seem to enjoy? And,
0: yeah. Do you have any idea, and I don't know if you do because the internet and meme uh, history can be very uh, hard to pin, but do you have any idea how this meme thing came to be, like where it originated from and or at least... How did a movie that was a TV special thing for the Soviet Union in the late 80s
1: make this leap? Yeah, so it seems to be that, um, you know, obviously in the last last year, 2022, like the West seemed to kind of discover it. It seems like since 2020 people that grew up with the film, or at least are from the countries where the film was made, it's like, you know, Russians and Ukrainians, um, you know, with, with the explosion of social media and meme culture, they were, it seems like, posting uh, clips from this or or reminiscing about it, and it seemed to have, like, sort of resurgence of relevancy um, in their communities, and it just seems like somehow it's spilled over to, you know, the more, the more international eyes.
0: That happens with, say, Bollywood, for instance. Every s- few years, there's that one Bollywood movie that s- s- sprinkles over... Recently, it was uh, RRR, uh, Triple R. That was a movie that's now Oscar-nominated. Oh, okay. They're, like, That's how big. But a few years ago, what was it like? Um, What was that movie? I think you saw the second part of it, Bahubali. Yeah, Bahubali. That was one where it's like... But there's
1: just stretches where they aren't mm. and certainly uh, with the whole globalization and like you mm-hmm. know, Netflix and all that. Like we internet, have it's yeah. so much easier to get access to you know international content. I was
0: listening to recently a podcast discussing this issue or not issue, but just this phenomenon happening of sites like IMDB, Letterboxd and other places and YouTube as well, where uh, films from certain countries are now rising in the ranks of these lists. You know how it's like the greatest movies ever and it will always be like The Godfather and uh, The Citizen Kane. But now it's like some Brazilian movies in the top five that no one's ever heard of outside of Brazil. Mm. And it's because all of the Brazilians are using the internet to just boost it up, being like, this is good. And that's what happens with Bollywood, Indian movies, and happens with even Polish movies in recent times. And there's other things like that. And I think this is just a a lingering example of that, where there's a movie from the past, from so long ago, that's also just a cutesy little animated thing, but people from uh, who grew up with it in, in, in Europe are putting it online, discussing it. I read that, uh, one of the things I read was this got awarded some kind of... Uh, trophy or prize from Czechoslovakia Mm. because it was very popular over there and when I read them like I gotta make sure this isn't from Czechoslovakia because when I was watching it there were certain words and lines that I'm like oh that sounds like from
1: Lemonade Joe. Czech Polish and Russian have a lot of overlap. They do
0: they do and it's has it always been like that or did that kind of get cemented more when uh, you know Russia kind of had a little party with each one of those countries (laughs) and decided to stay there too long.
1: Uh I have no idea. I think Let's
0: ask you may,
1: maybe long time ago in the past there was one great Pangaea of <laughs> Slavic countries.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just curious because, you know, you, your mother say grew up in an era where Poland was under Soviet <laughs> rule and so both my, is, yeah, both
1: sides of my family escaped communist Poland to come to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah,
0: and have talked on the pod about how there were certain things that communist poland had to enforce upon itself and
1: polish people didn't like it mm-hmm. but it was there the, yeah my mom she was told like okay make sure you pass all your subjects at school but don't you dare do well in russian language class or something <laughs> like that
0: <laughs> but i i think that's just a fascinating uh byproduct of film culture now that the internet exists that Some of these foreign things, whether they're new or old, have reached audiences that they may not have in the past due to people boosting them up in the algorithm. And there's obviously some negatives to that as well. Like, it can be quite annoying when these, uh, when these groups do that like uh, i don't know how familiar you are with k-pop culture on twitter but Mm. if you mention anything relating to k-pop you're talking about that bts thing yeah Yeah, don't whoa whoa don't mention they'll read the transcripts (laughs) and they'll get us but and and people get annoyed uh, at Indians doing that with all of their movies and making all of their movies, even if they're garbage, in the top 100s of things. But you know mm. what? I'm fine with it, honestly. I'm sick of fucking seeing the same four movies as the top mm. movies all the time. And it's making me want to check out things that, Honestly, I wouldn't have done before. Like, I would not have watched this if you didn't know about it through just random meme culture. And this is one of those times where the random meme culture actually grabbed onto something that was good. Yeah. That was
1: uh, actually a fine piece of art. It wasn't just a one weird line that sounded kind of funny.
0: It wasn't one weird little piece of animation in a movie that was rather poor or lacklustre. And if anything... It
1: wasn't just a reaction face.
0: Why is it that one when there's so many other great ones in there with pieces of animation?
1: One of the big things that shocked me when I actually looked up the animation that became the meme was like, oh, it's so brief.
0: It's so brief. I love the doctor's sword fight scene the most when it comes to those those like snappy visuals very creative that one how just one-handed and cuts the guy's clothes he does the full zorro thing slash slash but uh i don't have too much else to say about this it's very simple and straight to the point but it is unique it is different people if you have not watched it for yourselves again I say watch it. I recommend it highly. Yeah. You just know that it's a bit slower paced because it's a too long, but you can break it up into the two parts and it works just fine, I yeah. think.
1: And unlike, you know, the whole Irishman joke of like, oh, the way Scorsese intended, this one actually kind of is intended to be watched in two sittings.
0: And funnily, funnily, funnily enough, I enjoyed the second part more than the first part.
1: So mm. I Honestly, I do have to watch it again at some point because just a lot of stuff was happening yesterday and I had to stop myself another
0: critique i have and this may be a bit of controversial because i can see people loving this i i didn't care for the not the music per se but this is one of those animated films where it never shuts the fuck up Mm. like it's always got some fucking piece of noise in it whether it's diegetic or non-diegetic whether it's a piece of the score or not it's just always fucking making loud noises at you so be warned of that too people if that's something that crawls under your skin a bit I have a tolerance for it but it was wearing on me after a certain point it's just so much just mm. stuff being thrown at me the visually film, as the film well doesn't as go to noise sleep. <laughs> did you have that at all? because I know that you can be affected by that as well. to be honest
1: in this I didn't really notice it not really no. So if if it's there, you know, that's valid to bring up, but I didn't notice it personally.
0: Do you recommend this for those out there?
1: Yes, I do. This is a this is a good one
0: thank you so much for bringing it over I yeah, had, yeah. I, had a, 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 I was uh, trepidatious but uh, especially when you say I found it because of a random online meme
1: I'm like that's not that's not winning me over uh, on this believe me if you said the same thing about something even I would be trepidatious of it like me saying like oh I discovered it because of a meme was a little bit embarrassing on my part as well
0: I've told you this sometimes my wife Rachel will react negatively to films the uh, that you recommend Yeah, whether she's seen them or not and sometimes that the listening people recommend from just a pitch like that like why is this recommended oh because Bartek saw it with his mum like 10 years ago it was like oh (laughs) or that was 20th century women just for those who wanted to know yeah, like Bartek saw this with his mum it's not not just 20th
1: century women but yeah
0: yeah, or or, 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 an online meme or like this person on a thing recommended it to spite us and it's like yeah
1: the reasoning is more so that my history in this episode, rather than what I said last episode, because you know you gotta you gotta hold it for the episode itself.
0: So it is my recommendation, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm hoping if things line up well, we're gonna have some guests on. Yes, some uh, some guests and plural. Uh, yeah, two people. I uh, won't give it away if in case they don't come on, and then I won't be disappointed. <laughs> but uh, I want to talk about an Australian war film. Mm -hmm. It actually has Brian Brown in it. You remember Brian Brown? He was in two hands. He was the bad guy. Yes, that's right. Uh, He's one of the many actors in this, but it's mainly Jack Thompson and the British actor Edward Woodward in the film Breaker Morant, which uh, is a- I've heard the name before. It's a historical film. It's a true story film. So it's a real life thing. Uh, It's a well-known film for those who are into war movies and Australian films, it's probably out right there to put it in context for you, Bart. It's like uh, when it comes to Australian war films, it's Gallipoli. Mm or Breaker Morant. It's, it's that type That's of thing. That's probably why I've heard of it, yeah. For, for Australians out there who want to join us, this is on Netflix here. It's one of the few actual Australian movies on Australian Netflix. Okay,
1: good for me then.
0: There was a period of time where it's like, I think it was like when the pandemic started, Netflix updated its Australia section because they had nothing in there. So it's like, now you can watch Bad Boy Bubby on Netflix, which is hilarious. Yes. And Breaker Morant's on there too. But I've been wanting to get around to this. It's one of those where... I have seen it before, but I, I want to watch it again, and I thought, well, we've got we to gotta do it on the podcast, and I think let's bring on some guests to to chew into this a little bit more. But uh, everyone, please make sure to give this a watch for yourself. Breaker Morant is available out there in the world. It's not just Australian Netflix. I did have a quick gander. Somebody put it up on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if the quality is as good as the Netflix, but uh, you guys can find it. It's uh, it's out there, so give it a watch in the interim of time. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well as this film that we just watched. You can find us on your social medias under tw- on Twitter and Facebook under Spit and Polish Presents. This is in the description below, as well as our email address, which is...
1: Also in the email below, Polished at gmail.com.
0: I Like how you said, also in the email below, like they're writing an email. <laughs> to Ryan, us. editing,
1: replace me saying the word description. I'll say it now that you can put it in description.
0: <laughs> Mister Black, <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Actually, in fact, when you say description, I'm going to put email below again, just to spite you. You're
1: going to put email
0: below. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a pleasure to be back here talking movies with you, Bartek. Yeah, uh, it's great to to sit down. And just, it feels like we have a little film club, this podcast is like Mm. each week we come in and we discuss a little film that we watched on our own, in our own time, (laughs) with our own ways of watching it. And uh, when I watched it, I watched it by myself. My wife was too busy catching up at school work that she had to do. So I got to watch it on my own. And she walked in one time saying, oh, is the movie over? Because it was a live action segment. And she (laughs) thought they were like the wraparound. And I'm like, no, no, this is like one of the 15 live action segments. And then she went, oh, okay, and then walked off.
1: I watched it alone in my underwear.